every day You know you gotta hustle, baby You can't knock the hustle, baby Welcome to The Well, a podcast for mindful drinking. I am one of your hosts, Rodney Sino Cruz, and in this episode, Payman Bamani and I sit down with Liam Baer to discuss the business of cocktails in the age of COVID-19 and shelter-in-place laws. Throughout the discussion, you will hear references to the ABC. In this case, we are referring to the Department of Alcoholic Beverage Control for the state of California. They play a prominent role in the current state of affairs. So... Liam Bear, uh, you were on our show last time to discuss the Aperol Spritz. You know, why don't you update us on, on where where you are now and what you've been up to since? Yeah, thanks. I uh, appreciate it. I, um, I'm psyched to be back. It's a little bit bittersweet as we can't meet up in person, but uh, I'm glad we could do this uh, online. So I uh, landed a job running a bar called Pretty Dirty in Eagle Rock. Primarily cocktail bar. Uh, we're doing some cool stuff with blending and just trying to present something new without uh, reinventing the wheel. Started that early March, and, and just about two weeks later, we got uh, word from the city that we had to close. Uh, so, yeah, first uh, week or so, there was a lot of uncertainty up until the mayor announced that bars would be able to offer to go cocktails yeah so that was something that was something that was you know from my perspective uh working in in the bar and restaurant industry in california that was something that was mind-blowing the fact that they changed this law to allow to go cocktails was unheard of and as you said it's huge so curious like what your reaction was to that not just that it happened but it happened so fast Mm -hmm. it was literally a week after that order came down, it was a shock. It was, you know, I was under the impression that would never happen. Not in California. I mean, I've, my time here has been pretty limited only working here about a year, but from my understanding, the ABC is, you know, one of the, the, uh, strictest bureaucratic entities in food and beverage in this state. So when that happened, it was, it was like, Whoa, like this is, this is huge. And it was great. It was, you know, it's, it was a lifeline. It really is to, you know, not just me, but hundreds of bars, thousands of, of people. Is it saving the industry? I, it's too early to tell, but it's giving us a, a shot. Well, we should have one clarification, right? It doesn't apply to operations that are technically considered bars under the ABC's laws. It's restaurants that serve alcohol uh, that are permitted to do this, right? Did they expand it to bars? I know initially it, w- it didn't include bars. I don't know. I know it's based on what type of license you have. I haven't done the research. I just know the particular license that we have allows us to do this. But we're also fortunate to be attached to another bar slash restaurant. But I, yeah, I don't, I don't know uh, what the stipulations are for that. Because there was a food component to it that, you know, you can do the to-go cocktail so long as there's some food that you're serving with it. And the only people that are capable of doing that are operations that have a kitchen, you know, and so those that have a different type of license, they're classified as bars and clubs under the ABC's, you know, classifications. And they 
don't have that right to do the to-go cocktails, which doesn't make sense to me because, you know, they're considered kind of like second-class, non-preferred or less preferred businesses. So I just kind of wonder, like, does the government do anything to help those businesses stay in power? Because, But at least it was there for the restaurant world. But as you say, you know, how much can it do to help a business stay afloat? You know, Pretty Dirty is a pretty tiny bar relative to others. Do you think it's been more helpful to you guys because of your size? Yeah, I would say definitely. Um, you know, we're like you said, we're a tiny bar, fourteen seats. We're not raking in the cash of you know your larger, high volume places. So you know, our operational costs are are extremely low compared to some of the other other places in the city. It's literally me and another guy who works uh, hourly. So. It's a small operation and, you know, because our, our overhead is, is so low, given our size, it's definitely made a difference in terms of like, you know, what we need to make in, in regards to this to-go program. And speaking of your to-go program, why don't you tell us about exactly what it is you're doing, you know, opportunity to plug yourselves as well. We are offering large format cocktails just because we felt that would be an easier uh, endeavor for us to do rather than, you know, doing one or two cocktails at a time and getting smaller bottles. Um, we felt that doing a large format. Explain large format. Sorry to interrupt. Explain large format for maybe non-industry people. Uh, large format is, is multiple cocktails. Uh, I can, you know, I don't think there's any maximum amount that you could do. I mean, you could do like a huge vat of 500 cocktails if you really wanted to. So like family style concept. Yeah, we do uh, four to six cocktails per bottle, depending on the cocktail. So it's, you know, it's something that you can either, you know, have uh, over a few days or share with, you know, your loved ones or, or, you know, uh, responsibly with uh, friends who you're sheltered with, but uh, yeah, so it's it's basically just uh, uh, offering a cocktail at a larger scale. Yeah, it makes sense, I guess, just because you don't want to keep coming back and stepping out of the house to pick up. Right? Is it is it more cost effective to do it that way as well? No, I I don't. I would say it's not because basically we have to factor in that when you go to a bar, you're not just paying for the cocktail; you're paying for the ambiance, the service everything else that comes with that cocktail. So we can't be charging our regular prices uh, for, you know, a drink, um, especially if we're asking people to buy four drinks at the same time. So, you know, we're, we're, we're not taking a, lo- a loss on it, but we're definitely not making as much as we would if you were to come in and have a cocktail in a you know normal situation, pre-corona anyway. We also have it set up where all our orders come in the night before. So, you know, going in that day, I know exactly what I need to make. I come in, I do some prep, make, uh, do you know, squeeze some juices and do whatever syrups I need to make. And then, you know, put together the cocktails, get them ready uh, for our first pickup. Uh, pickup window is from 1 to 3 p.m. We're keeping it pretty tight uh, just to make it easier um, it's it's basically just me, you know. I get a little help from the owner, but you know he's he's married. He's about to have a, a baby. I want to keep him as far away as safe as possible. Uh, so I volunteer to take the bulk of 
the uh, responsibilities. So you got to order in advance to get your to-go order. So basically, uh, this is like perfect for those uh, people who are like right in the middle of the Venn diagram where one of the circles is is a drinker and the other circles is a, is a people who plan ahead. Like- I plan it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, maybe we can get to a point where we can be a little bit more spontaneous with it and do it day of. We wanted to, like, see if it was going to actually work and see if there was any interest in it. So before we, you know, wanted before we made those changes. But, yeah, it, it's it's not something that one of our, our potential clientele or guests could say, oh, I want a cocktail right now from Pretty Dirty. It's something that they have to plan ahead for. So has it been successful for the most part? Uh, it's been up and down, to be honest with you. We had a, a a slow week the first week. It's been three weeks now. The first week was was pretty slow. And then we had a crazy second week. Uh, and then last week was a little bit slower again, but uh, could have been because of the the weather. It was, it was pretty rainy in LA. And I think people were just like, I'm going to stay in and, and get things delivered to me rather than go out and get them myself. So is delivery part of the law as well, not just takeout? Uh, I believe so. I, I, you know, don't quote me on that, but I think, yeah, like I, I ordered blood souls barbecue for dinner tonight and I did it through Uber eats and on the menu, their cocktails were, uh, some of the choices offered from the menu. When I went to the beverage section, it had their alcoholic cocktails in addition to the sodas and, and non-alcoholic stuff. If Uber eats is doing it, I don't, I, I'm pretty sure, you know, they're staying legit. Yeah. I mean, the reason why we didn't sign up for a delivery platform right off the bat is because they typically charge 30% uh, per an order, 20 to 30% per an order. Uh, and we felt that was just, uh, you know, a cost that uh, didn't make sense for us at, yeah. at you know, at our, at the, at the amount of, of, uh, you know, product that we can offer. It's a small, it's a small offering. Yeah. That makes sense. So I was reading tweets out of people in New York celebrating the fact that they can get a Thunderbird delivered to their apartment. <laughs> so one of the first questions I had when I saw this first happening was, will this stick around after shelter in place? Uh, yeah, I think this is going to be uh, a long-term thing. At, you know, is it something go- that's going to last throughout this, you know, pandemic? I Yes, definitely. I don't think they would take that away from us. Unless, you know, something, some crazy accident or, or whatever linked to the drunk driving with the to-go cocktails were to happen or happen repeatedly, but I haven't heard of anything yet. So I think uh, most people are being smart and responsible. So I definitely think this is something that's going, even when we start to trickle back into normalcy and start letting people into their bars, into our bars rather, I think this is something that's going to exist when we get back to like 100% to where we were before this, this happened, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd hope so. You know, and then again, it goes back to people being responsible and not doing crazy things like drinking cocktails in their cars and getting, you know, uh, into accidents and, and, and whatnot, you know, especially in LA where you don't have the opportunity to rely on foot traffic in most neighborhoods uh, this is something that will will definitely expand um, not just the financial positivity, not just on our financial end, rather, but it's uh, a way to reach out to new people. And that's one of the things that I've seen since we launched this is I'm having people come in 
who never stepped into Pretty Dirty and saw us online or, you know, uh, a friend told the, told them about us. Uh, and uh, it's, it's basically a way for us to expand our, you know, consumer base once we get back to uh, open. I mean, it's, it's, it's anybody's guess as far as whether this is going to continue after everything has returned to normal, whenever that ends up being. Because, I mean, on one hand, we were all totally shocked that the ABC even passed such a law or yeah. you know, changed such a, allowed such a policy. So it, it very well could surprise us again. I mean, it's one of those things where it's hard to take something away once you've allowed it. You know, once people have gotten a taste for something and assuming that right has been exercised responsibly, it's really hard to justify taking it away. And with regard to this this law staying in place, you know, I, I had a conversation just a few days ago with uh, this, this woman that I've hired as a consultant to be an expediter to move things along for me uh, and my own restaurant project that I've been working on for the last three years and counting. And I, I posed this question to her. I said, you know, you, you know, all these people in, in these government offices and, and in these positions, like, what do you what do you think? Do you think they're going to allow us to continue this? She said, first of all, the person who's at the top of ABC right now, in her opinion, was very progressive and business friendly. So that was a positive sign. I don't remember the, the, the person's name that she named, but that seems like a positive sign that whoever's at the top seems to quote unquote get it. And then secondly, she did express some optimism that this could be continued down the line once things have returned back to normal. So hopefully that is the case. I, I think it's one small step to bringing LA, you know, the, the food and dining scene, just bringing it up one more level, you know, so it can compete yeah. on the international scale. It's there's, re there's no reason not to allow something like that. It's really no different than me going to your bar ordering a couple of drinks, drinking them, and then getting in my car. I'm allowed to do that. I'm just not supposed to. I'm not supposed to do that, but I'm allowed to do it. And if I get caught, I get a ticket or whatever, right? So it's not like there's a prohibition against driving to a bar and then driving home from a bar. You know, we allow that. So it's really not much different than saying, hey, why don't we just let these people take their drinks to go and, and go drink it at home? You know, it, it... It might even be safer, right? People, you know, concerned with public safety... This might keep drunk drivers yeah. off the road to an extent, right? I mean, there's there's two schools of thought on that. There's there, there's the the one school of thought, which is the thought that says, you know, make certain things illegal, like make bad actions have bad consequences, you know, jail time and whatever, and trust people to behave within their, their freedoms. There's another school of thought that, that says, no, let's just make sure we don't even allow a behavior to even occur. And one way to prevent something like that from occurring is bars are not even allowed to sell to-go cocktails, right? If you don't allow the to-go cocktails, then you never theoretically never have the opportunity for someone to get on the road with a mixed drink. But they can get on the road with a bottle of whiskey that they buy from the liquor store. So it's it's really contradictory in a lot of ways. So I think if you if you're talking about I mean unfortunately common sense I th in my opinion rarely a, is applied in the case of like city ordinances and, and state you know ordinances and stuff like that but this is an example of something good and I think one thing that the 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 lady who I've hired as my consultant she mentioned to me is you know what would help is if bar restaurant owners and even members of the public phoned in or wrote or petitioned the ABC 
and expressed how much support they have for this policy change. That would encourage them to keep going. So something to keep in mind. As far as the type of drinks, you know, that you guys do, Liam, you mentioned that, you know, you do the large format drinks because um, it enables people the freedom to obviously not have to keep coming back. And, and you know, it's a long drive to the to back to the bar again. Um, but right. also, you know, they can enjoy drinks, you know, maybe the next day or, or whatever. What types of drinks lend well to this model? The best drinks are the ones that don't have anything that's perishable. Things like your your aromatic uh, stirred cocktails, like your Manhattans, your uh, Negronis, uh, what have you, just because they're they basically have you know no expiration date. When you start to add uh, you know produce and juices into the mix, then you start to play around with uh, things that are going to start to um, not taste as good. Um, after a certain period of time, but we didn't want to limit, you know, the, the type of cocktails people could get, you know, not everybody wants a boozy stirred down cocktail or, you know, people want options. So we decided to, you know, press forward with, with, uh, you know, using juices and stuff and just being a little bit, um, or just being mindful about letting people know that they should probably drink it within, would say 36 to 48 hours typically you know i don't like to use citrus after 24 hours uh, especially lemon and lime when you start to add alcohol and sugar you get a little bit of fortification going on there so uh, you do extend that shelf life you know we try to we try to keep it as simple as possible for for the guests we don't you know a lot of places are doing kits and there's a margin of error with those and that margin of error could be interpreted as as the bar not making good cocktails that's something we did wrong interesting yeah so we wanted to avoid that you know just uh, everything's stirred everything's like basically prepped pre-diluted all the guests has to do is you know we tell them to chill it for about 20 25 minutes depending on the type of cocktail take it out of their freezer uh if it's uh something without citrus just give it a light little light little uh stir where the you know, a twirl with a bottle just to get those ingredients reincorporated. And then if it's something with citrus, we, you know, tell them to give it a vigorous 30 second shake uh, before they serve it. So pre-diluted, you mean, so you basically, you've measured out the water that should be in that cocktail. So that cocktail, absent, you know, getting it to the right temperature, it's ready to drink. It's, it's a finished, complete, complete cocktail. Yes. Whether you have two of them or four of them or six of them, it's yeah. like six complete cocktails in one one container, if you will. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, we just we wanted to make it as easy as possible, and and that's been well received. You know, people come in and they say, "Well, what do I need to do?" And I'm like, "You just got to chill it and and pour it." And they're like, "That's awesome!" Like I thought it was going to be like a kid or something, and I was going to have to, you know, do everything myself. Um, so, so is that what other people are doing? They're doing these recipe kits, like Blue Apron style. Yeah, or asking people to put ice in their in the container and shake it. Um, Provide their own organic material, like add lemon juice. Are people doing it like that? I haven't seen that. Yeah, I think that would be asking a little bit too much. Not everybody has a juicer and uh, the means to to make that that fresh juice. But. I think initially, I recall before the ABC uh, introduced this new policy, I remember employees only in LA, I don't know if the other employees only were doing this, but I remember employees only in LA was offering cocktail kits where they provided you 
um, the various like syrups or fruits or, or whatever for drinks from their menu, all you had to do was add the alcohol. Right. Yeah, yeah. So you so they would provide yeah. the, the, the non-alcoholic ingredients plus instructions. And all you had to do was provide the alcohol, which I thought that was very smart because, you know, they were working within the limitations of the policy. But then once that policy changed, I think, Absolutely, the way you guys are doing it makes the most sense. I mean, yeah. first of all, why have a margin of error that's unnecessary if you could just add the dilution exactly. yourself? Because you, you want to present the product that's as close as possible to what you'd be getting if you were to come to the bar during normal circumstances, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think bars that don't or you know, restaurants or bars, whatever, that don't do that. I think it's either out of lack of knowledge or just laziness. They just don't think about that extra step. Yeah, exactly. They're just not being mindful about it. Because I think a lot of bartenders don't think that you can actually... The amount of water in a a cocktail is both a measurable and a definable, like quantifiable ingredient. It's an ingredient. And and a lot of bartenders, I think, just treat it as, well, I don't know how much water needs to be in that. I just know that I shake it or I stir it. And that's right. But all you have to do is just measure the difference in volume. And there it is. Exactly. And that's what we did before we started to roll this out is we made one of each cocktail and measured the pre, you know, shake or stir versus um, the finished product. And then that told us how much water we need to add. So as far as your takeout drinks that you guys, um, you know, the drinks that you guys offer, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, drinks that don't have perishable ingredients as having, you know, be more conducive to this model. But what, what, what are some limitations that you guys do face? Like what types of drinks can you just not do? Or do you just think it's a bad idea to do? Yeah, I think anything with egg whites uh, is definitely no. Yeah. By the time it, 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 it gets home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's going yeah, to be an omelet, uh, like a fruit omelet. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's definitely one of the limitations we have, like some of our most popular drinks on our menu are egg white drinks. So that, you know, hurts a little bit. Drinks that require a particular type of ice, you know, that's not going to be accessible, like crushed ice. We have a fucking banging drink. It's I didn't create it, the bar manager before me, but it's it's a delicious drink with mango. And because the mango syrup is 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 so thick, you need that crushed ice to like even out that texture. So yeah, I mean, there's there's some limitations for sure, uh, but you know, we're working with within those and they're not they're not huge limitations you know it just means we just can't offer you know a few cocktails off our menu now part of some of these efforts that people like yourselves are taking is is to survive is to hustle and and keep the business thriving so it's out of necessity but do you think do you foresee any like opportunities that this this model provides that maybe didn't exist before i mean going back to what i said previously it's it's definitely you know we're definitely getting a lot of people in who've never been to pretty dirty uh and are looking forward to coming in and actually having a drink with us you know the the way that uh, they did before so there's that opportunity there just to increase our you know our, our following and customer base there's the opportunity to stay relevant and in people's hearts and minds through this. People are, have their 
their concerns of their own and they're not they're not thinking about the bar down the street uh you know if it's in trouble or is it going to stay open or is it is it going to stay closed they're you know thinking about their family and loved ones and trying to avoid uh, getting sick so this is a way to keep us in people's minds so that when it does pass they say oh yeah pretty dirty i remember them um and there's the obvious financial uh benefit i don't it's not enough to to sustain uh you, you, we can't keep going like it's not going to keep the bar open but it's helping it's helping until the the loans and other um stipends and, and stimulus uh, opportunities uh come through yeah and i was thinking like for operators who are creative minded enough maybe this is one more way to engage with your guests in addition to you know selling them cocktails that they're going to either pick up or get delivered what about like having content on your own website or the or the bar or restaurants social media channel that maybe has one of their bartenders discussing how to make certain drinks at home you know maybe in the case of like okay you got your negroni that we made for you and you got the daiquiri whatever but you know if you like the egg white cocktail here's what you can do and like if i see one more shitty fucking diy uh, cocktail video <laughs> there's just so many it's we, we we looked at that before we before the abc uh lax those laws and we were about to do it and then abc said hey here you go and we said yeah let's not do that because everybody's doing it and again going back to that margin of error people can follow recipes people can or read recipes and watch online videos it doesn't mean they're gonna you know it's foolproof no what i'm talking about is is not not the situation where they make everything at home but it's like okay here's our our whiskey sour pack where it's it's the whole drink batched except the egg white and there's a little thing on the ticket or something like or little piece of paper or flyer or whatever says like click this link and we'll show you how to like make the egg white drink at home i don't know is is that something that like you know yeah that's something i did i wanted to make an egg white drink so i learned how to extract the egg white on youtube okay so that's interesting from a non-industry person's perspective do you find something like that helpful if i were to go home and click the link and it was liam doing the tutorial you know, the person that just sold me the drink, there's a certain trust I would have as the consumer. And I mean, if, if this is going to be something that does get extended for a long period of time, this stay at home and this, you know, quarantine and all, all that, then bars and you know operators have to figure out a way to keep this, make this model sustainable, you know, and keep their guests, uh, their former guests engaged. And, you know, eventually maybe like, the Negronis and the and the the shaken drinks become too too much par for the course, and people are like, all right, now nah, I'm like, this is year two of of you know shelter in place. I want more. I want that damn egg white drinker. I want to know how to make a mojito, you know. And if your bar normally is known for that, if like they they remember, oh man, the egg white, the, the whiskey sours, are pretty dirty. We're so great, but man, I haven't had that in a while. Like. I wonder if like these are these new times will force us to think of new creative ways to stay relevant to our former guests. Yeah, it's, like after you say that, I think it's definitely something that I'm going to pursue. That's it's a that's a that's a great idea. I think this is the first time I've ever convinced you of something so easily. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually that's actually a good idea, and especially at hearing uh, Rodney's uh, uh, experience because I totally feel you about 
you know, million and one videos out there on how to, right? It's, it's, it's more about the, you know, my fear is that they're going to mess something up. You know, I don't want to discredit any of any of the people coming into the bar, but people make mistakes. And my fear is that they're going to make a mistake and then the drink's not going to taste right. And then they're going to blame us and then be like, I'm not going to order drinks from there. That's legit. That's, that's a, that's a legitimate concern. Yeah. So, but I think if, you know, like we said, if we, we do a, like a step-by-step video, we keep it as easy as possible make the drink. Don't include the eggs. And, uh, you know, that's, that's definitely something I would want to look into. Speaking of home bartenders and people making drinks at home with this, uh, all the shelter in place, you know, everybody is becoming I think, you know, most people are learning how to cook for the first time or not most people. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm people. saying many, many people are learning, you know, how to cook for the first time. And that applies to drinks as well. How do you compete with the rise of home bartenders? Do you think that places like your bar, you know, have something to have something to fear? There's really no competition because my drinks are better. <laughs> So yeah, that's, that's the answer to your question. Yeah, that's definitely a concern, but like I've been cooking a lot more than I normally do, which is zero. Yeah. (laughs) I always cook breakfast for myself, but dinner, I always ate out or, you know, grab something to go on my way to work and now I'm cooking at home, but I don't want to do that every night, man. I can't make banging ramen or like, you know, (laughs) great tacos or like whatever, uh, you know, else is being offered in the city. I leave that to the experts because I know it's going to be better. And I think the same thing goes for cocktails. Yeah. I can make myself tacos at home. I can make myself ramen if I really wanted to, is it going to be as good as what I'm getting from the place that's been doing it for, you know, 10, 20 years and, and has really like honed their craft. Absolutely not. So I think there's always going to be that market of, of people who, you know, maybe they're, 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 they're making drinks at home now because they, they're, they're home more than anywhere else. Uh, and right now, but I think there's always going to be that desire to have something crafted for them. So how do you convince someone though, to pay a premium for a drink when they're not really experiencing it in the same way that they used to? You said you guys are cutting some of the prices. Yeah, we've had to cut some of the prices because of that. You know, like I said before, you know, you're not just paying for the drink that's in your hand. You're paying for service and hospitality and ambiance and music and whatever else. So, yeah, we've had to cut prices a little bit. But the way that we convince people is the same way that we convince people to come into the bar in the first place. We're offering something, you know, that's thoughtful and uh, unique and uh, a higher quality than most bars they're offering. For instance, our, our bourbon and our cocktails is a, is a single barrel, a private barrel, rather, uh, Russell's Reserve that, you know, we mm. selected and, and, and have. We're the only bar in town to have this particular barrel. So it offers uh, something very unique. I think you hit on it perfect. What you guys offer is a curation that the average person could not get out of Avon's or any other grocery store. You know, the Negroni that you had is not just gin, uh, vermouth, and Campari. It's gin, a blend of three different vermouths, and a blend of five different Italian red bitters. Um, you, know, you know what I mean? Like, they're not going to buy three different vermouths. Uh, they're not going to buy five different red bitters. You know, so 
that's where we're trying to to reach people in the, in that sense is that here's something unique for you and i guess there's this other part of it too which is you can home bartend or home cook as much as you like but there's always something that the best bars and restaurants offer and truly the you know, the people who operate the best bars and restaurants understand that the product they're selling is neither just drinks, just food, or just hospitality. They're selling all those combined in the form of an experience, a unique, memorable moment, you know, is what you're selling. Because right. if you wanted just drinks or just food, you can go find that information now and get the recipe online and make it yourself. And I would venture to say that the greatest cocktail enthusiasts that are, you know, home enthusiasts and the greatest home cooks also really enjoy going out to nice restaurants and nice bars because they're such appreciators of both that execution, but as well as the experience that is provided by these great operators when you get to hang out with your friends and someone else someone else is taking care of you. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, Liam, thanks for coming on the show. Um, yeah. Yeah. What's, uh, what's your, uh, your PlayStation 4 game of choice right now? <laughs> Oh man, I'm playing Horizon Zero Dawn for like the third time. It's such a such a fun game. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I started a, a a game called Control today, so uh, that was one of the one of the free games on PlayStation Now. So we'll check that out. But um, yeah, waiting to play some Warzone with you, man. Oh uh, yeah, I've got to finish this. I got to beat Shadow of the Colossus. I'm on the last Colossus, this, the 16th Colossus, and it just takes forever to beat this guy. Yeah, whatever, nerd.